When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. I'm joined today on a Thursday by John Paul Mason. Welcome back, JP. How are you doing? Um, I might be mourning the loss of a, an Apple Mac laptop. Oh, um, there's nothing uh, worse. I'm looking, looking over it right now and it's, uh, I think it may have died a death. You ever seen sad. my laptop? You ever seen the age of my laptop? It's old enough to go and buy alcohol. That's it. It's ancient. It is oh, absolutely ancient. That one that I'm looking down on right now is. It's like nine years old, probably. Maybe right. maybe eight or nine years old. But I, I just went to plug it in there and uh, no life. Wasn't a clean ball? No. Nightmare, nightmare. Listen, there is plenty to discuss today. You know who was just in the studio, JP? Our old friend Stevie Mullen. Oh, Our right. old friend Stevie was in. And he was in because we were talking about the St. Rock Centenary game that mm-hmm. Axom are assisting and setting up, it's going to be taking place on the 16th of April at James McGrory Park, Celtic Select versus uh, St. Rock's Select. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been given, can you imagine this? You imagine the privilege, right? I've been given the task of uh, pulling together the Celtic team. How incredible is that? So I'm, <laughs> I'm pulling together the Celtic team, right, from a list of people that maybe over the years uh, I've done a gig with or maybe we've interviewed them for the podcast or or something like that. And uh, I have to pull together a team. I'm not going to be the manager, of course. We've also to get a manager, but I'm going to be pulling together a, a team of ex-Celts and a few Celtic-minded uh, celebrities as well. JP, it's going to be good fun. Um, if you were to go and select a few players, give me one or two names that you'd like to see playing in a game like that. Well, I mean, realistic. realistic yeah, real, I mean. realistic, yeah. Not not ones that are going to... Uh... Like Henrik and Lupo. Ah, yeah, I mean, no, that's, <laughs> come on now, that's pie in the sky stuff. But, uh, I mean, I guess, from a personal point of view, I'm pretty sure Frank McAvenny would, would be up for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, an absolute hero to me. I, I did watch him play. Well, he was playing at, uh, the, you know, the football pitches at, um, I think it's Scotland Street. I was playing in a game one Sunday and there was like a, old firm select game going on and it was like Rangers Celtic Marvin Andrews playing for Rangers uh, I think maybe like Charlie Miller but Celtic had uh, had McAvenny playing and he got sent off for shouting abuse at the ref Did he? <laughs> <laughs> so bear that in mind if you if you if you call him up to the to your Celtic squad um, 
I was going to ask Frank. I don't know if if he still plays in games like that. I was going to ask Frank, and um, that I've got a whole list. I've been writing a list. You can imagine it. I'm like a bear in a sweetie shop writing this list. But Stevie and I actually met three years ago because it was to do it for the centenary, which was 2020, and we know what happened, right? And it was postponed. And to be honest, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. But thankfully, Stevie has uh, um, shown a bit of resilience and it is definitely going to happen. But I was looking at my old notes in my old notebook and I just it was a wish list of players that I wanted to play for Celtic, right? And you know the, the saddest thing about it, at the top, I've got the management team and the management team we were going to ask was uh, Bertie Old and Frank McGarvey. Would you believe oh. that? Yeah, so they, that's on the original list. The first name on the list, Lubo. In brackets, establish the fee, <laughs> and then it goes on. And McAvenny's in there, and various other players are in there. So hopefully, we'll be announcing some players very, very soon. So I was talking to your pal Stevie this morning about the game, about last night. Um, he was there. I'm guessing you were there, unless you were working a gig last night, JP. No, no, no. no. I kept my kept my diary free for last night. I was back in my seat after a, a couple of away days at various other uh, well one other away day I sat over by the in the Lisbon line stand by the away support at the Aberdeen game and uh, I missed the last home game before that which was uh, St Mirren Cup game yeah and I missed that so it was good to be back in my in my seat and a very very cold Celtic Park last night I mean for, for a mid-March game it was pretty Pretty ice cold last night, but it was pretty drastic. Yeah, yeah, but we we, we got the job done, and uh, apart from some very uh, weird, I've not seen that tackle back. Have you seen the tackle? The, the one tackle? that, that Nielsen's gone on about. Yeah, yeah, I have seen it. I mean, how, how bad is it on a on a scale of one to bad? At the time, at the time, I, I watched the game last night with Lawrence, and at the time, I thought to myself, right, okay, it's. It maybe is a, a bad challenge, but I think he, I think Nielsen is going OTT on his reaction. No like um, of it. <laughs> exactly, I know. And, and there was other things in the game that he's obviously not going to mention that uh, I felt, for example, Devlin. Devlin takes four uh, bookable offences before he gets a yellow card. Um, Clark and goals um, injures Maeda to the point where Maeda eventually has to come off. And mm. when you look at that, you think, oh, it was a bit... It was a bit naughty, right? But mm. um, obviously, Nielsen's not going to pick up on his own players and he picks up on Burnaby. And I want to talk about Burnaby as well because um, I don't know if you, you've probably not had an opportunity to watch the post-match because uh, you're a busy guy. No, I did. But, I listened to it. I listened to it you? Yeah, yeah. I listened to the audio, yeah. The comments that were coming in were really getting stuck into Burnaby. They really were. I mean, Ralston as well to a lesser degree, but the two fullbacks were getting it tight at half time, um, which I the felt as well. they were in yeah. the ground. I will around about me, like Pierce, we Pierce. I say we Pierce, he's now very, very big. Pierce, he's, he's probably taller than me. Uh, I've seen him grow from uh, when, I first, when I first got my season ticket, he sits with his granddad Eddie, and they, he's now a big guy. Do you know, he's not, he's not a wee guy anymore. So, I mean, I've known him now for 10 years, it's absolutely frightening. I'm not actually sure what age he is, he's probably in his early 20s or something like that but um, he was like can Kobayashi play left back he said that to somebody next to him and then I heard them say that and I was like oh come on Burnaby hasn't been that bad but folk were thinking he was going to cost us the game at half time yeah, the thing, firstly the Kobayashi um, suggestion Lawrence made that not because he was having a dig at, at, um, at Burnaby in any way shape or form this was before the game when we were looking at the bench JP and we're, we're saying right obviously if, if Ralston's a bit rusty you've got Johnson on the bench what happens if Burnaby's a bit rusty and uh, obviously you've got Hatati you would rather he wasn't playing left back I was looking at Kobayashi I know that he can play on the left side of defence Um and I can't see any evidence to suggest that he's actually played left back because that was something Lawrence was saying last night. He can play left back. Fair enough. But I actually felt, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but certainly on the comment section, by the end of the game, Burnaby had turned a lot of the commenters round and they thought he, had, he turned out to have a decent game. Was it the same at the match as well? Uh, I mean, I didn't really get a chance to speak to a lot of people at the end um, about Burnaby. We were just basically enjoying the fact that we'd we'd won the game and we're probably all a, a little bit still uh, starstruck by Haxabanovich's late goal, which was 
absolutely top draw and our, our side of the ground as well, which was, I mean, I had a great view of it. Um, but but Burnaby, I mean, see the guys that or guys and girls that were commenting on it. Were they was it the same people that had kind of turned the corner on that? Like, was the same people coming back yeah. going, all right, hands up? Aye, they came back in and said, you know, well, the point I made at halftime um, was that against Rangers in the League Cup final, the, the similar comments were being made about Maeda. And I felt that Maeda, you know, he played a part, obviously, in, in our first goal, but I thought Maeda came on a game in the second half. And then St Mirren at the weekend, wearing that kit behind you, um, we'll come to that, uh, you know, those comments were actually being made about Jota. But Ange persevered on both occasions with Maeda and then with Jota. And Jota then comes into a, a very good performance, I felt, in the second half against St Mirren. He seemed really determined. He scores that goal, pulls us back into the game. So when we were sitting at half-time, I was saying, you know, I don't think we've got a like-for-like like substitution anyway, but how on earth can we um, see what Burnaby is, is capable of if we don't let him play through this, if we don't give him the, the minutes in his legs, JP? Yeah, I thought he was a bit ropey to begin with, but I started noting down all the good stuff he was doing as well. And there was plenty. There, there was plenty. Um, and I think over the piece... Um, He's nowhere near being our first choice. Let me put that out there first and foremost. Um, but you need to give him games like last night so that when he is to be called upon, JP, um, he knows the way that we play. He knows the position of an inverted fullback. He knows the culture of the game, what you can get away with, what you don't get away with, because he's not played a massive amount of minutes for Celtic. So I think it's important to stick by the guy. He's, he's 22 years of age. He's over from Argentina. Massive culture shock for him. And he's still settling in, let's be honest. Mm. I know. I think. I think you're right. I think if you don't give guys like that an opportunity, then they just fade. how many times have we seen players just fade away into the background and they become unsettled, disgruntled, and inexperienced, and they've not got the like you say they've not got the 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 minutes, they've not got the the pressure as well. I mean, last night was a big game. We were playing the team that are third in the league. Um, we went one goal behind the team. The team had to show character and 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 and, and determination to get back into it. And he was part of that. He was part of that collective. So that that in itself is good for him that he's faced adversity and over overcame it. Mm -hmm. I think if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does, but no, it does yeah. because I also think there's an there's an effect. Um, that a player will get from success and a team will have that effect and I, I say that they get galvanised by it JP and I also think in adversity that can be the same and if you get through it and get your result and you do it as a team then I think that that can build the confidence of a player like uh, Burnaby um, I said last night and I would stick by this obviously if Taylor's 100% fit and he's available for the weekend he comes straight back in I don't yeah. stick with Burnaby well, definitely yeah I mean yeah. I'm not, that's no disrespect to Burnaby but I don't think Taylor deserves to be bombed out of the side because of Burnaby's performance last night. And Saturday's a different kettle of fish. You know, the 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 hordes of Time Castle bearing down a, upon you is <laughs> a hell of a lot different to having them a wee pocket of them in the corner of the, of the stadium. Um, thankfully, I couldn't hear them from where I was, unlike, a, unlike the Aberdeen fans who I was sitting right next to. And, well, shame on, shame on them for... The majority of their uh, their songbook, it was absolutely abhorrent. Like I actually saw one of my friends, uh, it was there with his wee boy, and I mentioned it when I, I mentioned it to him when I saw him recently, and said, "Oh, what about the, the songs from the Aberdeen fans?" And he said, "Yeah, I had Dexter asking me what they were singing. Dexter's, I don't know, ten, eleven, or mm. something like that. You know, and you're just like, geez, oh, so, and um, yeah, but no, I think Saturday's a different kettle of fish, Taylor." Would, would walk right back into that side, I think. Same for me. Talking about um, asking about songs, you brought a wee memory to my, my, my mind there, JP, and I'm going to have to do a big massive name drop here. So, Claxon, 12 minutes in, there is going to be a name drop. The name drop is Danny McGrain. So, I was doing a gig with Danny, right? And it was in a, a Hibs club, uh, as in a Hibernian club in, um, I think it was Port Glasgow. We're doing it in there. And obviously, we do the, the Q&A, etc. But there was a break. And in the break, the club had put on this Irish dance school, right? So Danny and I and a few of the other guys were sitting in this wee room to the side, the wee room adjacent to the kind of main hall, having a wee sandwich and a cup of tea, all very civilised, JP, right? 
And every so often we're looking through the wee hatch and there's all these uh, dancers, all these Irish dancers and all that and nice traditional Irish music. And then eventually as, as it goes on, we're maybe 20 minutes into the break, 30 minutes and we're back on for the second half to get the questions from the audience and uh, the Celtic Symphony comes on, right? And I'm looking at the hatch and obviously the chorus in the whole room is uh, singing in, in uh, unison and there's 13-year-old girls dancing along it, and I'm saying, oh, this really isn't appropriate, uh, certainly uh, for Danny McGrain to be in the same room as what's going on here. So I says to the, um, by the way, listen, I'm just obviously trying to protect Danny, an employee of Celtic in such a scenario, and I say to the guy organising it, you know, going to tell them to tone that down a wee bit before we come back on the stage. And uh, Danny turns around and goes, what's the problem? What's the problem? I says, ah, it's the song they're singing, you know, the lyrics. He goes, what is it? And I tell him what the lyrics is. And it goes, right, but what, I mean, what does that mean? And I explain the connotation um, of the ooh uh, and the one is singing Samara. And it goes, all oh, right, I wondered what that meant every time I heard it at Celtic Park. <laughs> that was Danny McGrain, the JP. And he had heard it, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times, and he wasn't quite sure what it meant. So we were trying to protect him from that. But it's a conversation we had last week. And it's a conversation, obviously, we'll have again in relation to what you think is offensive at the football. And I've seen a bit of a fallout from that on social media, as is the way of social media, where people are saying, you know, you're a snowflake. If you don't like the songs, don't come to the games. I don't think it's as simple as that. I really don't. I think, you know, the discussion has to be a wee bit more balanced than that, JP. So fair play for calling it out last week as well. Um, there's loads of comments coming in, and I want to talk about some of the individual performances uh, from from last night, but you've not even had a chance to speak about St Mirren. Uh, and obviously you've got that kit behind you hanging up. What was your thoughts uh, generally over the, the St Mirren victory? Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of hoping in vain to get a ticket for it, but of course they were like gold dust, as, uh, as everyone knew. I mean, we got like 1,400 tickets or something, and that's all fine and well if St Mirren sell the tickets that they said they're going to sell or or had people spent £30 just for those seats to sit empty? Who knows? I still don't understand. A friend of mine who's a St Mirren fan tried to explain the concept behind that scheme to me, and I, I still don't really get it. Uh, so I was unfortunate to see patches of black and white on uh, on Sunday morning, you know, knowing that it's only <laughs> half an hour away from me, if that. And uh, yep. I could... I mean, I genuinely even asked a couple of people if I could... Uh, if they could use their influence to get me a, a St Mirren ticket, because obviously I, can't, I don't think I can just rock up and buy a St Mirren ticket without any previous mm-hmm. credentials or whatever, because I mean, I could, I did it at Aberdeen last season. I sat in the, the Richard Donald stand and watched this beat Aberdeen 3 2. <laughs> Weird experience. And yes, I did kind of uh, fake cheer to, to their goals. Um, in fact, was that one? You, you better watch, JP. People will be saying you're a Dons fan and they'll be hounding you off the axe on. Um, there'll be footage somewhere. I, it was when masks were still a thing, so I was I was masked up, so you couldn't see my, my smile when Jota scored the <laughs> the winner. But um, but yeah, no, I didn't get a ticket and then I was, you know, watched it in the house. But I was a wee bit worried when we went a goal behind because you just start to think, is it going to be another one of those days? In that strip, you're like, is this genuinely uh, some sort of voodoo curse on us? But um, but we've we've stepped up so much since then, and the levels that we've got in the game, in the squad, the bench, and everything else, it's just far too much. And obviously, the sending off has a massive impact on the on the proceedings. Uh, I mean, it was the definite sending off. There's no doubt about that. The guy held his hands up. They can't. They can't argue about that. Can we argue about whether there was a penalty? As soon as I saw it back, I thought, no, he's, he's filled them outside the box. I know people are... The thing about VAR is now that everybody wants it punished to within the finite letter of the law. And because there was a foot on the line or, from, or something with, with Kyogo, that that's, that's a penalty. I mean, see if that's given against us and we get a red card and a penalty, I would be absolutely raging if that was if that was the case. But um, ultimately, we didn't need the penalty, unlike other teams. And uh, we won comfortably in the end, and it was good to good to right the wrong of, of September um, mm-hmm. and, and give a little bit of redemption to the kit behind me because 
feel like I can wear it now. <laughs> I was I was convinced uh, I'd never wear that strip again because I thought, if we don't wear that again, and in actual fact, they wouldn't have put it past somebody within Celtic's marketing team to have negotiated with St Mirren to get them to wear an alternate kit so that we could wear that, so that we could give ourselves a chance. Bust the hoodie. Redeem it, because otherwise it would, have, it would have been forever associated with... I mean, say we go through the whole season undefeated, I know. and then that's our only defeat, and then that's the kit we're wearing. It's like, well, no one's ever going to wear that again. <laughs> so, I saw you having a discussion about kits in that, in that kind of vein, and it was um, that season, obviously, Neil Lennon's final season in charge, um, Colin Watt calls it the lockdown season or the behind-closed-door season, and the kits as nice as they are, you can't really enjoy them. I mean, that lime, lime green kit, I loved it. Yeah. But there's no good memories of us wearing it. So well, it never, really does never, that we, to your memory. We never saw the team wearing it, put it that way, in, in, in real life anyway. We saw it on a computer screen, mm-hmm. which still to me, those games, I can't, good or bad, I can't really recall anything about those games. Mm-hmm. I think I've actually compartmentalised it in my head and just put it in a little dark room in my head somewhere because um, it was associated with all sorts of other negative things going on in our lives at the time, you know, where there was so much else outside of football that was that was not, that was off kilter with what we are used to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that line green one's a belter. There, there probably was a, a highlights package in there somewhere, JP, but no one's going to actually sit through all the games and pick it out. I remember a couple of really good goals against DC Milan away from home that never get shown anymore. I think. Well, actually, mm-hmm. now you mention that, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Rogic scored a cracker that night as well. But you, didn't, you don't see them so often because, as you say, we're trying to block that memory out. Um, see the St. Mirren thing? I want to talk to you about this because you and I have spoken about the ticket and, and the way that, and you've had a discussion with the now Aberdeen, Aberdeen. CEO. Yeah. Um, around the, the thinking and the rationale behind not giving Celtic tickets. Now, there's also the big thing, JP, about average revenue per seat, average revenue per fan. So if you're saying to a, a home fan to buy an extra seat that could be purchased by a Celtic fan, right? Mm-hmm. What you're actually saying is the average revenue that you would normally generate once a fan is in the ground, be that through buying a juice, a bovril, a pie, whatever, you know, a programme, um, you're not going to get that. Now, there is that average revenue thing. That should be on the planning documentation of any football club for the season. And you're basically tearing that up and saying, no, we don't want to make any money. We'd rather the empty seat. I find that absurd. I can find no logical business sense in that whatsoever. Now, people will say, you and I have just been selfish Celtic fans. We think we should be getting this, that and the other. But I honestly don't see the business sense in it. None whatsoever. No, and like I think Livingston obviously go the full hog to an extreme and getting three stands in a in a in a in a in a club's home stadium does seem a little bit wild, you know, when you're there and you're just looking around you and even the stand that Livingston have got isn't they full, do you know? It's crazy. You know, it's absolutely I mean they brought Somebody said to me last night they brought twenty eight fans to the recent home game against Celtic. I mean, I just find that I find that wild. So I don't know. I don't think I'm not entirely uh, pro having that much of a swing in terms of percentage and support. But if it was to be something like fifty fifty, and 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 you were to make it work and you were to fill a ground, I I really don't see why that would be a problem and how that would somehow give us some sort of huge advantage. Because um, like I said, we've played at Livingston before, had three stands and lost 1-0 mm-hmm. under Postacoglu. It, it was one of his 16 defeats in his 100 games. That's an incredible statistic, by the way. Was it 200, 253 goals? Is that it's right? A, it's, a brilliant, it's a brilliant record. I mean, I was looking at the percentages, you know, 74% win rate, and it's right up there with the greatest Celtic managers in the history of the football club. It's unbelievable, the record that he's had. We will be looking back on the, the 100 games, but I think it's also important, JP, to look ahead and think to yourself, well, you know, if this trajectory continues, even if it tapers off a little bit, if it continues, you know, I just think the future is very bright for Celtic fans and, and the club. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, last night's performance, some of the guys that done well last night. We'll be looking ahead to, as you see, a very different fixture at the weekend. Um, and... 
the club sent us a video uh, this morning, and we've no, I've not had a chance to put it out in the socials. I will later on, and it's the launch of the new kit. Um, you and I love the kits and all the rest of it. Before I get onto that, though, you've had a wee chat about the silver one there, the, the, the grey one behind you. Um, it came out, I've got to say, sometimes the images you get of the kit, you know, the, the lighting, etc., you've got to see it. I think you've got to see it in action before you can make a real call on it. I seen you sitting on on the actual bulletin one time, weren't it? Were you maybe abroad? You were you had it on. Yeah, um, it was, uh, Seville, I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and I was looking at that thinking, oh, it looks much better on, but I still wanted to see it on the park. And then Saint Mirren happened, and you automatically look at it and go, right, is it a hoodoo? Is it a jinx? Let's know where it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the club don't want that because you won't sell as many jerseys. And I remember um, the the probably the worst selling jersey. And incidentally, the away one, the black, white and green one, is one of, if not the greatest selling away kit in Celtic's history, by the way. Is that right? They keep selling out of it, aye. Um, wow. But the, you, you remember the kind of silver and pink number, which we never ever wore. But I just think the club almost gave up on it. You know, they just thought, right, we're not even going to wear it. We're no... There was a thing that if you signed a player, often what you would do is you'd put them in the kit you wanted to sell. You know, mm-hmm. and we didn't even try that. And we just gave up on it. Thankfully, what, a huge, what a huge faux pas from the club that was. I mean, I how much money was wasted? I mean, they obviously, they weren't made to order. They would have all been made. So there's probably a job lot of them sitting somewhere ready to, be picked, ready to be picked up by an opportunistic Del Boy <laughs> to sell. Um, boxes maybe they'll, be, boxes. maybe they'll become a retro thing in, in 20 years' time or something. I, I doubt well, it. I remember you walking into the toll booth. First time I've met you in person, uh, you came to Stirling and we did the, the very first axon that you were on. And you were wearing the uh, the old 1990s away jersey, which was very controversial at the time. As a young boy, I bought it. I, I always bought the jersey. didn't matter what it looked like, but it was a zigzag affair with the, the people's Ford on it, red, white and blue. And I remember you walked in that day and I thought to myself, right, it was maybe a realisation, JP, that time, you know, something that at the at the actual time it was released, was was vilified. And I remember on an official Celtic video, the Celtic collection, they were asking fans what they thought of the new jersey. And one wee guy said, I think it's bogging. And the Celtic you know, media team thought it was a good idea to put that out. Oh, we'll sell loads of these. The fans think it's bogging. And you walked in wearing it, and it was completely different 30 years on. You know, there was a, there was a I don't know, there was a retro kind of chic to it. Do you think that'll mm. ever happen to the, the silver and pink number, to the chevron? It might well do. I mean, I think these things, when they're not bought on mass, and they, they, they it will maybe achieve some sort of cult status in, in this in in terms of. Was, I mean, I've already kind of revisited some of the New Balance tops in my mind. They are starting to become a little bit kind of frighteningly retro. Do you know when mm. you look back at things like the 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 white. Uh, New Balance one with uh, it was pure white and it had like uh, green in the collar and green in the sleeve. Um, that that one that's a that's a really nice top. But I think at the time it was just so it came and went. And then again, like, I think other things as well, like the the green tartan Nike top. Do you know that yeah. one? Yeah, with, with the Magna. That, that was a nice that was a nice kit. Looking back at it, I think. I remember it well because we wore that the night I got married. It was the 18th of September. It was meant to be the day of independence. And I mentioned mm-hmm. that in the book, actually. This isn't mm-hmm. a plug. Um, around the fact that, you know, the tartan made an appearance that year as, as Scotland was going for independence and all this kind of stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that night we're playing in Europe and Scott Brown scored in Wacaso. Remember him? Wacaso mm-hmm. scored. Uh, so you can imagine trying to watch a game of football on the night of your wedding as well and all this kind of stuff. So, yes, I do remember it well. What is this T-shirt behind me, I hear you ask? This is a friend of Axom. It's uh, Phil or PG Carletta, who is an artist from Kirkcaldy and Fife. Uh, check him out. He's a good Celtic man. Played and, uh, he's played Tuts, yeah. In the January with uh, Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves. That's a good night. That's a good lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also joined Kyle Faulkner on stage recently at PJ Malloy's. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember what song he sang, but check him out on the socials. He's a right good lad, and hopefully we'll work with him in the future as well with some of the live stuff that we're going to be doing. And that's PG Carletta. Um, 
And it's a cool T-shirt. I love, but I love a band T-shirt. I don't wear them, JP, but I love if I'm dealing with a band. I love to get a wee bit of their merch. Oh, Tony, Anthony, Anthony H. Wilson, what a man, what a man. Now, I'm going to bring in some of the comments before we go back to the team lineup from last night. Jungle Lion, always an absolute pleasure to see you involved in the comments. Excellent result last night. Imagine what this team will be like if Andrew's here for another hundred games. Now. At first, you think to yourself, well, of course he'll be here for another 100 games. Of course he will. But I was looking at something last night, right? I'm going to bring it back up here as well. Um, the amount of Celtic managers, JP, uh, who have actually been at the club for 300-plus games, you would be probably quite surprised that there are very, very few. So, obviously, Willie Maley uh, was at the club and he managed more games than anybody else, and no one's ever going to beat him because he was a manager for about 43 years. Um, 1,617 games, right? You've then got Jimmy McGrory, who managed 843 games, and then you have the, the great Jock Steen, who managed 690 games. No one since then has ever managed 300 or more games for Celtic. The closest that you'll ever get so far is Martin O'Neill, who managed 282. Now, what I would need to do is add in Neil Lennon's two times, his two spells at the club. So his first spell was 227. He came back and he managed another 110. So um, accumulatively, Lenny did manage more. But in a, a one sitting, if you like, it's very, very rare for that to happen. Now, that got me a wee bit worried when I looked at that, JP. Football's changed, doesn't it? Mm. Football's changed and, I mean, it just, it seems incessant at the moment how much, how many people are willing Ange Postacoglu to leave Celtic. I mean, they might, they might not wear their colours, you know, directly to the mask. They might, or stick their colours directly to the mask, whatever, but they, 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 they allude to it. It's, it's always, uh, uh, tinged with a, oh, you know, but, you know, he's been brilliant for Celtic and, you know, long may that continue, but, but, you know, I'm sure he wanted to test himself elsewhere and this, that and the next thing and it's, it's, it's quite wild actually to see how, how, how it's happening on a daily basis and I've kind of switched myself off from it. If I, see if I see anything, any sort of site that comes up on my Twitter that, that is punting these stories, mute See you later. I don't. I just don't want to see it. I just if, if you're if you're trying to get traction for for that kind of stuff, then I, I'm not interested. No, I remember having a chat. You remember the rumours around Benitez coming to Celtic as a manager, mm-hmm. and uh, I was chatting away uh, to it was Paddy McCourt actually. There's your second name drop of the afternoon. Um, that's it clanging at thirty minutes, and Paddy said to me that a manager like Rafa will go to a club if he thinks he can attain European success at that club. So you ask yourself the question, can Celtic attain European success? But what does European success look like, JP? You know, that that would be my answer to that. So well, we, need, we need to win a knockout tie because that seems to be one of the only things that a certain other club has over us. And, and it's, it's rammed down our throats on a weekly, daily basis that we haven't won a knockout tie since, what, 2004 or something like that. So... That in itself would be like, well, in, in their, their near vernacular, it would be like winning a trophy, wouldn't it? be like one of those invisible trophies that they lift every couple of days. Yeah. Um, so We, yeah, we scored I mean, one goal more than you last I, night. Trophy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But we, we need to do that. We need, we need to re-establish ourselves as, as a team that appear in the later stages of a European competi- uh, competition because mm-hmm. we've not been there or thereabouts for so long, we always get to, well, not always, but if we have, we've always fallen at those hurdles like Valencia, uh, Copenhagen, Zenit St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. I mean, those three clubs, Bodo Glimt, we, we we should be getting past those teams. And, and with a side like we've got now, you'd like to think that is a far more achievable aspect uh, uh, prospect than it was uh, before you know, I think so. I'm now going to uh, further that 
that train of thought, JP, by asking the question, how many, because we keep hearing about the English League and all that, and I'm, I'm of the same view as yourself. I just think people need to put a sock in it. I think Ange has answered the question. People weren't happy with the way he answered it. He answered it again, you know, and, and that's happened all in the last few weeks, linked with every every job under the sun down south. English football, right, obviously has designs on itself. How many clubs in that league? Here's a question for you. I think you're a bigger English football fan than I. How many clubs in that league uh, do you think realistically could win a European trophy? So there's three European trophies up for grabs. How many of those clubs do you think are at that level where they could win a European trophy? It's a handful, well, right? Well, I mean, yeah, you say I'm a bigger fan of, of English football. I certainly wasn't a fan of English football last weekend, that's for sure. I avoided uh, all things... <laughs> All things Anfield uh, <laughs> and the rest, but uh, that was a horror show. But I'm not even seen any of the highlights, and I don't think I ever will. Highlights, I mean, for, I for one, for one side, ah, yeah. Um, but I think Chelsea, obviously, with their spending power, and if they get their act together as a as a as a as a team, they 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 always seem to do well in Europe. They always have done. I remember when them winning the Cup Winners Cup. That was before, I think that was before Abramovich even Jody, Jody Morris played in that game. Yeah, Viali and yeah. Joe and all that. So Chelsea do tend to get into the latter stages. So I would, I would have said that there's a, a likelihood of them getting a team at the right time in that, that competition and maybe and maybe getting another one. I remember the first time they won it, I, I kind of thought football was broken a little bit because... Just like Chelsea winning the European Cup, it was just it didn't. Some didn't feel right about it. It would be exactly the same if Man if Man City ever win it. I yeah, <laughs> I don't think I could cope with that at all because that's that's a serious case of right. Well, show me the receipt then because that's <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is. I, I, um, I think unfortunately Manchester United are a million miles away from. Certainly from Champions League victories again, I think they've got a good chance of the Europa League maybe this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and Liverpool are a weird team. They can pull something out of the bag as well. But again, they seem to maybe be kind of tra- trailing off a little bit in terms of this current side. Uh, but I don't think any of them are nailed on. I mean, they always seem to fall at the last hurdle and I'm so glad that Man City are included in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they kind of got their proverbial handed to them of Real Madrid, was it Real Madrid or PSG that came back and absolutely? It was no, it was Real Madrid, wasn't it? Real Madrid came back out of nowhere, <clears throat> just uh, came back from a couple of goals down or something, and uh, and put them out. So, I, I I think in terms of ambitions in Europe, Ange Postecoglou's got all the ingredients at Celtic to do what he wants to do. And yes. And and I think he he wants that. I mean, I genuinely think I don't know if I said this last week, but I genuinely think he's got he's got designs on being able to leave here as one of the the greatest managers that we've ever had. I I, I, I know I don't, I, that that sounds outlandish to say that, but the more you hear from him and the more you see the relentlessness in this team and the way that he goes about his business. I, I do actually think he wants to walk away from Celtic with the biggest ever mic drop ever. Do you know? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> contrast his arrival to his departure. And that's what I think he wants to do. Yeah. And you mentioned, you named four English clubs, right? Mm-hmm. You've maybe got Arsenal fans and Spurs fans who would try and throw their hat in the ring, right? <laughs> but what we're talking here is a handful of clubs, half a dozen max, who who might actually win a European trophy, right? Now, the names that you've mentioned, and you throw the two London clubs on top of it, are they going to appoint Ange Postecoglou as the manager of the football club? All you have to do is go to the, the kind of history books and say, when was the last time uh, a manager went for Scottish football down to this division? Where did he go? So let's use Brendan Rodgers. He went to Leicester. Steven Gerrard went to Villa. It's not going to happen. So th- this mad um, habit that the media has of saying Ange Postecoglou is going to be the next Everton manager, Southampton manager, etc., you know, fade uh, to silence. It's going to continue and continue. It's not going to happen. There's no way Ange is going to go down south, JP, right? 
to batter around that middle kind of end of the league where your stock drops uh, so rapidly that you get the sack within a season, two seasons. You know, you just need to look at the average um, time that a manager has at a club down there. Uh, where, when he can build, like you say, something special at this football club. And we're on the, I think we really are at the very beginnings, a, a great period of success uh, with Celtic. Someone corrected me yesterday say we're in the middle of a great period of success. They only won one league. I get that. Um, but it's almost as if there's been a restart, a refresh, a different philosophy, a different approach to how we're doing and a different style on the part, JP. And I think that that could continue. And I, I do harbour um, a kind of ambition, a view, a dream of Andrew remaining at Celtic, even when he's not a manager. Now, people might think that's mad and he's got other ambitions here, there or ever. I've never heard them talking about ambitions away from Celtic since he came here. So I'm going to stick by what Ange Postecoglou tells us. And like you say, progression next next season would be exactly what you said in terms of Europe. Um, could Celtic get into a European final? Yes, of course they could. They absolutely could. It's been proven that a Scottish team can do it. Um, could they win it? Well, anything's possible once you get there. So um, I don't think that that's being, you know, too, uh, for me, fantasist. I don't think I'm being a fantasist by saying that. I think that, you know, if you make that progression season on season, um, transfer window by transfer window, then you can get there. But I don't think for a moment he's going to be um, leaving in the dead of night, uh, a la Mr. Rogers, who I've already mentioned. Um, Jake comes in, apart from a poor miss, Haksabanovic, let's talk about Haksabanovic, was electric in the cup final, showed his class last night, start him on Saturday. Right, Haksabanovic did have a brilliant chance in the, in the cup final. I wish he had put it away. Uh, we've been singing his praises on here. Um, he came on last night, like you say, what an what an absolutely tremendous finish. Uh, maybe through an injury to Maeda, maybe through a wee bit of a up and down form of a badder, he could well start this weekend. Would you start him? Uh, I certainly wouldn't be against it. I, I think last night when I saw the starting lineup and I saw that Burnaby and Ralston were in, it was a definite kind of deep intake of breath because you just think, wow, we're playing Hearts, third best team in the league, and he's changed the two fullbacks. No Hatate, um, a badder coming in. I mean, but the thing, the thing you always go back to is you just think, well, when has this guy really let us down in terms of what he's decided to do with the team? They're, those guys aren't getting in because he feels sorry for them. They must have been shown it in training to be given the opportunity to, to come in and start and they hadn't played for a while. So Haksabanovic has been knocking on the door. I don't think you could just say, oh, because he scored a wonder goal last night that he should start. I mean, it should be based around everything else that uh, the the guy that left the comment there mentioned about his cup final uh, contribution. His general all-round play, like he's got assists in him, he's strong, he's tenacious, he wears a long-sleeve strip, which is something that... I think, see if you wear a long sleeve and Amen. you've got someone about you. It's, there's just it's like Lubo all over again. I'm not saying he's like Lubo, but if you've got a long sleeve strip on, I don't know, there's, there's something quite gallus about someone who wears a long sleeve strip. And and Haksavanovic reminds me of a, he reminds me of like a guy in your school that was like really good when you're playing in the playground. You know, like one of these guys that's just like a playground superstar and probably ended up going out and getting into. Uh, I don't know, smoking and drinking and all the rest of it, all the the, 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 the late night uh, West Lothian endeavours that you could get up to back then. But yeah, like, but but he just he's got that kind of looks like he's playing in like street football or something like that. I, I really, I really, I actually could name you the guy that I am thinking of from my school. His name was John Connolly, and he was he was brilliant at football. Man. Never came to anything as far as I know. I don't know if he ever went to play on at any level, but at our school, he had all the tricks. He had that kind of uh, low centre of gravity that he could drop his shoulder. He had every every trick in the book, and I think he was two-footed as well, if I remember rightly. So um, whatever became of him, I don't know. I should have, I actually met a guy at the Martin O'Neill night when I was up the stairs before. I don't know if I told you this, but we were chatting away, and... Uh, <laughs> It transpired that um, we're like, wait a minute, are you for Livingston? I, I, are you for Bathgate? Yeah, and I'm like, what school did you go to? St Kent's. 
And then he's like, all oh, right. He's like, do you know such and such? Do you know such and such? They went, wait, what, what age are you? And I said, my age. And he said, the same age. And I went, what's your name? And he went, Stephen Fairley. And I went, no way, man. The guy I went to school with. I, as soon as he said his name, I honed in in the face. And he'd obviously changed a lot since school. He'd grown. He was a lot taller. Um, but I saw the face. And I, bear in mind, I hadn't seen him since he left in fourth year. So I've not mm-hmm. seen him since 1995. And I'm meeting him at your night at the, at the thing, and he'd seen me on this and not put two and two together that that it was it was me for school or whatever. So it was really really great to to, to catch up with him and and talk Celtic, introduce me to his boy as well and all that. Oh, it's incredible. Told, told me he met Ange out shopping in Edinburgh, right, quite near the start of his tenure, right, uh-huh. and. Uh, he was waxing lyrical to him about the European games or something like that. And he and Ange said something to him like, Oh, we're not anywhere near what I want us to be yet. We're just getting started. <laughs> I was like, hairs in the back of my neck when he said that. I was like, Oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah. So there you go. And that that's why, JP, I'm I'm sticking to what Ange tells us. I mean, we've no reason to disbelieve him, right? Um, absolutely no reason to disbelieve him. So all the media hype around get Ange out of Celtic and all this stuff, because obviously there is a narrative. I'm listening to what Ange talks when when he when he's speaking to the fans. Um, you look at what it means to him when, when we won that trophy against Rangers. And I just think that, you know, th- there can be a narrative, and unfortunately a lot of people believe it. They believe it because it's written down. I'm going to get to that in a wee second um, as well, because we made a comment the other day there about how um, we are going on this period, I, I believe, under Ange Postacoglu, of utter domination. And um, a, a big part of that is going to be what happens elsewhere or what can't happen elsewhere due to a lack of finance, due to a lack of assets, the fact that they've already had a warning strike in terms of uh, financial fair play and the circumstances around that versus the circumstances as to where we are with the money in the bank, the assets on the park, a manager with a strategy, a recruitment policy which is working wonders. Um and, you know, that versus us equals 10 in a row, you know. And that, that people don't want to believe it, JP. But I think there is a panic setting. And I think there's some fans looking at it, Rangers fans who unfurled banners the other week, who realise that, you know what, you can may- maybe go on a run, I think, of whatever amount of games it is, 12 or 13 games, um, and think that you're doing okay. Well, okay is no good enough because second in Glasgow is nothing. You know, it was Bill Shankly second in Liverpool is nothing. And it's true. And I think that we're just that gap is just going to widen and widen. And people say, well, it's only nine points. You know, some out there actually would have you believe that Rangers can still win the league. No, they can't. No, they won't. Mathematically possible, yeah, but it's not going to happen. Open your eyes. Celtic are vastly superior. And you look at on the bench, and this isn't me being entitled or um, any of these kind of things, uh, pompous. It's just... That's the true facts of it, JP. And um, it's fine if they don't want to believe it because what happens is we go about our business anyway and we continue to improve and progress and develop the players that we've got in the in the, the squad already. Um, and and it, it really just echoes what Junker Lyon says. They have no money and no assets. Exactly. How are they going to do this rebuild in the summer when a dozen players leave out of contract and the club gets no money from them? They're not going to be able to do it. It's as simple as that. And you can actually hear... The, the noises coming out of the football club from Michael Beale in particular where he's telling the fans that we, we don't have the money, we don't have a magic wand and Celtic do have all these things so I think glorious times ahead and um, who else to be in charge of that than Ange Postacoglu I can't think of anyone we love our jerseys JP you have an array of Celtic jerseys and other jerseys hanging from that uh, Shelfing system behind you on a weekly basis. Ridiculizer says the tagline for the new kits should be betraying our origins. Does it come in fleece? See what you did there. Does it come in fleece? Now, um, you've seen the jersey. You would have seen the leaked images and then Adidas's um, official images and then the club released their official images and they're all over uh, the socials and online this morning. They sent us the wee video. Did you see the video? I saw some sort of gif thing on uh, on Twitter just of... It. In various different shots of it. I don't know if that's the same video. It must be. Is it Matt O'Reilly that's in the video? Or? Let's have a look. I've not had a chance to play it. So this is at this point that the club could actually pull the rug from under my feet um, because I've not seen it. But they, they did send it this morning. I thought I'd have a wee look at it on the show. So I'm going to play it just now and we'll see what it looks like. Let's have a look. If it works, here we go.
I like it. It's nice. My problem is we don't need a fourth kit. Yeah, that's, that's my argument, you know. And that's mine too. You know, I do like the trims. I do like going back to all the, the origins, our Irish roots, our heritage. That that much, you know, means a lot to me as a Celtic supporter, JP. But what also means a lot to me is the fact that uh, the vast majority of the the fans, uh, the vast majority of people that have got a season ticket are working class, and uh, it's never been tougher for the working classes and generations than it is right now, where uh, the few are looking after the few. You know, the the uh, political side of this country is, is shambolic at the moment, and the many are basically just getting thrown to the wolves and, and having to fend for themselves, be that, you know, energy prices, the, the, the cost of living crisis, fuel crisis, you know, the whole thing. I was watching an, a very, very interesting interview between Bernie Sanders and Frankie Boyle the other day, Watch it, it's on YouTube, brilliant. It's about an hour and a half long. And they're talking about the capitalism. Uh, obviously, uh, Bernie's giving it the US kind of side, the view, and Frankie's chipping in with the UK kind of angle. And the similarities are unbelievable. And what Bernie Sanders is saying is, do not let the NHS go private. Do not let it happen. Because what's going to happen is, uh, and he gave you a very, very bleak view of what working class life's going to be like if you get ill, you know, because he's seeing it over in America. Mm. Um, and all these things are relevant. I'm not going off on a tangent. All these things are relevant. This is real. People are struggling in great, great numbers, JP. And I don't think that a fourth kit to celebrate St. Paddy's Day is, for me, I don't think it's appropriate. Before I talk about that, just picking up on something you said there about America and private healthcare and everything else. And Stuart, you know, I've read Stuart Braithwaite's book, obviously, mm-hmm. ahead of doing the interview with him. Do you remember him talking about when Martin, the drummer, had to get uh, medical help because his pacemaker came out. His heart condition, yeah, yeah. Right, and they got charged thirty thousand dollars for the medical bill for his treatment or the advice that was given to him was thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, I yeah. just I couldn't believe. I mean, I knew that it was a a bit crazy over there in terms of that those type of things, and that's what can lead to people ending up in poverty because they can't afford medical bills and yeah, bankruptcy, uh, losing your house. Yeah, this is the working classes. Yeah, totally. Um, but then, yeah, to 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 touch on the strip, I, I just don't, I just don't understand why we're releasing a a fourth kit in March. We've got ten games to go. I mean, it's just why? Like, what what is the rationale behind that? I know, I know. You people will go. Oh, you don't need to buy it if you don't want to. Like, even if that was my favourite strip of all time, say, say they'd released that strip that straight away became my favorite. I'd be like, I'd still have issue with it because it's an expensive piece of kit. Yes, okay, it's limited edition or whatever it is, but I just don't understand. I don't understand the rationale behind it. It seems a little bit of a of a cash grab on mm-hmm. behalf of it. It almost seems like, you know, when an, a band are on an album deal and, and they've got a release... A certain amount of albums in a certain yeah. period of time, and then they just throw something out that like some covers <laughs> and B sides or whatever. That's what this feels like—an unnecessary release. Absolutely. Uh, why? Why it couldn't have been kept for next season or, or something? You know, I just thought, um, without going into the detail of the strip itself, because that's another issue. That's another. I mean, I'm. I love the fact that when people go, "Well, what have Celtic got to do with Ireland?" Well. Let me sit you down and tell you, like, uh, there's, there's there's ignorant people in Scotland that will dismiss Celtic's Irish heritage mm-hmm. uh, and say that we're clinging on to something that's got nothing to do with us or whatever. And it's like, well, no. If you actually want to learn the history of the club, then here's a book. Come back to me in a couple of days and then tell me if you think differently. But um, I just think the actual release itself, I I just don't understand it. And, and I know we gave that the other mob pelters when we heard they were releasing a fourth kit, and that was in January. Or what was it, the ACDC one? That one? <laughs> oh, no, that one, no, no. <laughs> that, that's disappeared without a trace. And I've, seen, no, not, I've not seen hiding or hair of anybody wearing any of that gear, which is no real surprise, because um, it was absolutely bogging. Um, but the, um, this, this kit nonsense is... I mean, I, I I love. I think the Adidas kits have been great. By and large, they've all been great. I've I've got most of them. I don't think I'll be getting this one though. And then, and I don't I don't like saying that because obviously, 
I, I support the club. I have a season ticket. I buy merch. I've got tracky tops. Uh, all the rest of it. But that, this is this, this is a, a strip too far for me. I think. No, you, you're right, and that is the argument because we got that on the, on the Facebook. I think after it was mentioned the other day, or I, I posted a picture in the Facebook comments. Some comments were, "Listen, you're not obliged to buy it," but yeah. l- let's remember, supporting a football club is different from having a favourite clothing brand or a favourite uh, fast food joint where you can say you don't have to buy a product from that company even though you like it. Supporting a football team is completely different, JP, and particularly (laughs) when you've got kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's like, no, it doesn't really work like that. And I think you do have a say in it. Listen, we could go on about the fact that as a season ticket holder this season, what have I had to do to watch the games? for not being there so I can broadcast on a match day. How many packages do I need to have? Last night, I've got a subscription to Celtic TV, but I still had to pay a tenner. I got, I think, a couple of quid off for being a subscriber or season ticket holder, one or the other, to watch the game so I could cover it on on here. The Viaplay, the BT Sport, the Sky Sport, the whole shebang. So you're getting fleeced at every single opportunity by the club. And I just think that sometimes, let's, let's not always go on about the... I mean, the commenter, went in studs up there, but I can totally see what he meant. And mm. the club might be, whether they're bothered or not, that, that we're sitting here saying it's not something. We're not saying don't buy the jersey. We're not saying that. No, yeah, it's, we're not, we're not, it's, it's not a boycott. No, it's, a, it's absolutely, I, I think it will sell well because obviously it's been designed to appeal to, to Celtic fans and to Celtic fans who absolutely identify with the Irish uh, heritage of the club. But I just think the actual principle of the jersey itself, whether it was... I think if you're going to release something like this, at this stage in the season, for that price, there has to be a different angle to it other than just, oh, well, it's a tribute to our Irish heritage. I think if there was a charity aspect to it, I think there would maybe be a lot bigger a buy-in to it, maybe Mm -hmm. even from myself. Because if you think you're giving 50% of your fee or whatever, not fee, but 50% of the price of it going to some sort of charity that was maybe to do with the local area, you know, whether it was in association with the foundation or something like that, that angle would maybe appeal to me to, to, to persuade me to buy it. But just to be going to shell out another £70 on a, on a football strip is... Is, uh, is, is, is seems a little bit wayward to me at this point in the season as well. And somebody said, oh, well, is this so we can play Hibs and wear the kit against Hibs? And you're like, you can't you release a strip just to play one game? Surely not. I had a few people in here. We, we were doing uh, a wee deep dive into uh, football kit collections. You know, you, I thought I was uh, I was into it until I started meeting some guys who've got collections of three and four hundred jerseys and all that. Mm. And some of the most sought after kits are limited edition one off kits. And and I think that's maybe the angle. I don't know if this is a limited edition, but they become sought after worldwide and it will sell out. Mm-hmm. So the club might come back to you and say, "But ah, but look, it sold out." Sometimes there's the right thing to do business-wise and there's just the right thing to do. And I think that's what it comes down to. It will sell well. It's got a Celtic crest on it. It's official. We know By that. By the way, they've, they've, if they've missed a trick. I'm not saying I'm some sort of soothsayer or um, idea guru or anything like that. Far from it. I, I, I would be in a far bigger flat than this and a far bigger house than this if I was. But the, the, the charity angle... That, that, that could have been looked at, given what the club was founded for <laughs> and the whole fact that it's to recognise our Irish history, our Irish heritage. Mm-hmm. That could have been something that they thought about. And I don't know if that was ever on the table at any point from anybody within the club. But the big thing as well, we know that the club does phenomenal work for charity. We get that and we try to be as balanced as we can. I mean, the, the recent announcement where the you know twice a week you've got the drop-in, people can go and bite to eat, hot drink, phenomenal, absolutely mm. phenomenal. So they're embracing the fact that, that communities are struggling, JP, um, at working class level. People are struggling to pay their bills. They're struggling. To, they're, they're doubting whether or not they should put on the heating. In 2023... Mm-hmm. In a first world country, and we, we can't, we're working whatever, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and we can't put the heating on. I know people that are, that are doing that 100%. Yeah. 
Uh, definitely no no people are doing that. And the foundation as well, that just the last week or this week announced that night at uh, Armadillo with or is it the Hydro? It's the Hydro with Scott So that's them using something that they've got the power to do to then raise money for the foundation. That's mm-hmm. you know, and people will go to that event and will gladly pay the money. Well, one to give Scott Brown the send off uh, that he deserved because it as he said in the interview for it, to leave the way he did was was kind of heartbreaking. And those pictures that were taken of him sitting in the middle of the park, an empty Celtic park, pretty haunting, really. When you you contrast that with the amount of success that the guy enjoyed. Um, So I I think that's a a pretty uh, great thing to happen for for him and, and and for the fans. But that was an angle. They're using that as a as an opportunity to make money, and I, I don't see why they couldn't have used this as an opportunity to make to make money for the charity as well, uh, mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. rather than it be seen to be as cynical as 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 this. And then that's that's how I view it. I mean, I, I'm not, there's no point. In me. I gave my views last week on the on the song, the ABBA song, and that's that was my opinion. This is my opinion. You've not told me to say anything. Nobody else has told me to say anything. I don't want to work for Sky. I'm not about to. Eat a big bowl of soup. I um, love all that. Hey, I, I, I'm just looking oh, to get a job on the, the mainstream ah, and all this nonsense. Man. By the way, we love football jerseys. We love Celtic jerseys to they such a degree. Do. It took me seven years to write that book. Above <laughs> it there. But and that's not that, right. Now they've got an added. They've ruined one. it. That's why I'm angry about this. That's the truth. They've yeah. ruined it. I'm going to have to write another page. Dear me. Right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for getting involved. JP and I can often go on tangents, but sometimes it really is important. Um, to point out sometimes that uh, big businesses can get so commercially minded that they lose sight of other things. But, you know, the caveat to that is the club does brilliant work for charity and we take all that into account. Aidan Barrett, uh, Awata, McGregor and Hatati should start on Saturday, in my opinion. I can't see Ange making massive changes, but I'll tell you, every time I've seen Awata, a I think he looks the real deal, JP. Yeah, I, I think he's... Uh... He's grown into the club and grown into the side, uh, becoming more familiar with uh, his uh, his teammates. And uh, yeah, I think I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do going forward because this is just the the bedding in stage, isn't it? I mean, this is just the time when you've seen it happen to lots of players where they need that six months to maybe even a year to sort of establish themselves. And this is when you. I mean, people people make judgments so early in players, and there's maybe people have made judgments on Iwata already that maybe don't think he's good enough. Or I mean, certainly there's probably a lot of people that don't think Burnaby is good enough. Mm. Um, and you just you want these guys to continue to to get involved in the side and, and give. I, I, I love seeing players uh, flourish when they've been written off. I'm not saying Iwata has been written off. Of course, he's not, but. There is a kind of tendency to go, well, where is he going to fit in in this midfield? Because there's so many good players in that midfield who currently have that jersey. Like Turnbull, can he get in? Mm-hmm. I mean, T- T- Turnbull's nowhere near the, 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 the side at the moment. And he'd come in, scored a couple of goals, looked like he was maybe going to dislodge somebody. Can't now. And I don't think there's any chance that Moy won't play on Saturday. I think Moy will play on Saturday. I think. Well, 100% he'll play. I think Hatati and um, McGregor will play as well in that midfield on Saturday because this is... Andrew will be treating this like a cup final. Yes. It's a one-off game and the prize is the next round. It's There's no... Uh, oh, my Mac has just come back to life, by the way, for, <laughs> for anyone concerned over the health of my MacBook. <laughs> it was playing on my mind. It was playing on my mind. <laughs> it's just pinged to life and the lights come on, so I'm, I'm kind of relieved about that. But, um, uh, the yeah, I think um, I think the, the strongest team possible on Saturday. I don't think there's any room for... I think last night was the game where you could get away with Burnaby and Ralston at fullback. Saturday is the game where you play your full strength side because you don't want to give. You, they went one 0 up last night, and probably people were like, "Uh oh, this this could be a night where we drop points." You don't want to give them anything at all on Saturday. Certainly not a, 
a team with Andy Halliday playing in them, you know what I mean? It's like... <clears throat> I know, because if it is tight, you then start, and thankfully we went virtually the whole show, if not the whole show without talking about it, there is that opportunity for a decision not to go your way when it should, and I think that uh, that, that is in the back of your mind when things are tight, so you're right, you go in, you play your strongest team, some of us will have different opinions as to what that strongest side will be, I've got to thank everybody for their opinions today, it's all about opinions on a Celtic state of mind, as this JP says, and if you listen to Lawrence and I last night, we disagree all the time, JP is talking his own truth, it's nothing to do with a narrative um, that that's fed by me or anybody else. But um, it's always an absolute pleasure to see some of your names popping up on the comments section. As I say, check out PG Carletta if you want to come along and see Axon live. We're with Alan Thompson next month. Uh, the Danny McGrain one is sold out, but the tickets are available for Tomo, the boy from Seville, underneath the video. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the comments. All that's left for me to say once again, JP Mason. By the way, we've got a special guest on tomorrow's show. I'm not going to reveal who that is yet. Um, John Paul Mason, thank you we've for joining. Got, um, we've got Orlando Weeks at King Touch tonight, so if anybody likes uh, the Maccabees, he's a singer oh, for the yeah. Maccabees, he's playing Touch tonight. Tickets available. Uh, on the door. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Aye, on the door. Nice one. So come along to King Touching tomorrow. Come back to Axon and see who the special guest is. An ex-player who may or may not be playing in the St. Rocks uh, Centenary game. We haven't asked him yet, but if he wants to play, he'll definitely get a game. Um, thank you, JP Mason, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Cheers, Paul. Network.